0: Kiddos, uh, kindergarten and up, Miss Julia, can take you out, so if you want to go, uh, go out and there'll be a special message and some stuff for you. Oh, for things, so put it over here. Cool, grab your Bible, if you will, and take it with me to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a copy, guys, where there's still a few on the back over there, uh, where you can download an app real quick, that would be acceptable also. Um, just, uh, yeah, so take, take the reason that I ask for you to open up to your, your Bible um, is because I want you to see that what I'm saying is actually contained here in Scripture. Um, if it was unclear, uh, earlier what we were talking about is that we believe very specifically something about God's Word, that it is divinely inspired and sufficient, um, it is, it is uh, inerrant. Um, and it, it is for us. It is given to us so that we might know God. That's the purpose of God's Word. And so when we come to it together, we want to look at it together in front of us so that we can see, uh, so that you can see that what I'm saying, I'm not necessarily making up. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to start a new sermon series. Um, I'm a little ashamed. It seems a little bit like cliche, but we're going to call it hard check because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about money and material and uh and, and mastery is sort of the subtitle there. Um, and when you hear me say money, I'm sure a lot of you are going to say, oh man, what are we, we going to do? now? What is, what is this about? Um, so let me let me rest, rest assured, what I'm not going to do this morning is, is ask you for your money. So set that aside, set that thought aside. We're just going to talk about what Jesus says regarding, regarding treasure. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to begin in verse 19 and we're going to read through verse 24. Together. This is Matthew chapter nine or chapter six, beginning in verse nineteen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you, it, or if the, the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you this morning that we can come together, we can look together at your word, that we can see what you have said to us and clearly communicated to us about who you are, and then who we are in light of that, and then what you do, what you command of us. We see some commands here this morning, and so as we come to these, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be clear, um, free from distraction. Lord God, we know, we know that we are a people that oftentimes stray in our thoughts God, we are a people who are oftentimes distracted, and we have the tendency to elevate things in our world uh, that are not lasting. Lord God, so as we look together at this passage this morning, I pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit, illuminate it to us, God, that, we would, that you would shed light on it, that we would see what you would have us to see this morning, so that we can go away from here transformed. God, we want to go away from here transformed, not just to something random, but into the image of Jesus into the image of your son. And that's why we meet together. We meet to exalt a risen Christ, a risen Christ who has given us very specific understanding of who you are. Lord, And so this morning we desire as a people to be unified in our understanding of what uh, Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 24 says to us. God, we desire to be a people who have a deep and profound understanding of the fact that our treasure isn't found here on earth, but it's found in heaven, and our treasure is Jesus. God, so we thank you, we praise you, it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning, amen. Um, So for the longest time, and probably still people think this of me, and so I'm going to intentionally smile right now, Um, for a long time people said to me, boy, you just look angry. You just look angry, Um, and and maybe you've looked at me and you've thought that, you said, man, he looks angry, and I think I just have this condition where I'm, I'm always thinking like the deepest thought possible. And so, like my, my resting face then becomes like one of contemplation, and like and so I see you all smiling at me, so it must be true, so I'm just gonna <laughs> smile back at you. Um, but but my my resting face just seems to be like one that's I, I'm just I'm just always thinking, like um, Rebecca will frequently said to me, mean, just just stop thinking, or maybe not maybe not that in that way, but like I'm like I don't know what it's like to just not think about something heavy. So that's just who I am, and, and some, sometimes it begins to reflect. But recently, as I've just thought about, and I shared this with our community group on Thursday, recently as I begin to think about this, like I begin to sort of just like uncover these areas of my world where I just am I'm a little bit irritated. I'm just a little bit irritated. There's just these corners in that my heart where there's like some irritation lurking, and I'm not, I'm not sure what that is, and God is showing that to me um, in order that he might root that out of me. Um, but so uh, and, and it's sort of like when I said, well, I'm not, I'm not, when I, even when I said to you this morning, when I said, you know, like I'm just thinking this deep thought all of the time. Um, part of that is just like this self-justification mechanism that's saying, no, 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 you're wrong. Don't worry about it. Like I'm not, I'm not irritated. But it's sometimes, sometimes I am. And I discover myself understanding that in some uh, some ways, what is perceived is in fact reality. What what is perceived is in in fact reality. And I think, I think if we grapple with the weight of our sin in any type of capacity, right? If we grapple with the weight of our sin in any capacity, we move this direction. We begin to see how the things we do really are affected or a reflection of the corruption that lurks in our heart. And so as we come to this passage this morning in Matthew chapter 6, this is what it's, it's trying to communicate to us. We think about this passage in Matthew, and this is the headspace that we need to get into. If we're grappling with the weight of our sin in any capacity, we move a direction where we see that the things we do are a reflection of the corruption that still lurks in our hearts. Like if we're in Jesus, we've been redeemed, we've been, we're being made new, and yet there is still something inside of us that, that, is, that, is, uh, that will not be fully rooted out until the consummated kingdom arrives, until Jesus comes back triumphantly and uh, we are raised with him. So the question that Jesus is getting at when we get to Matthew chapter 6 is, what reflects my heart position? And he says very specifically, there is one thing here that reflects your heart position above all else, and it's what's going on in your wallet. And Jesus, this is just the fact of the matter, if you read through the Gospels, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that Jesus talks about money more than anything else. And it's not because Jesus wanted your money. It's because he saw that money was a discipleship issue. And what do I mean by a discipleship issue? What do I mean by that? It can easily ensnare, consume, rule over, master the heart to a degree that knowing God, learning about God, sitting at his feet become dull, uninteresting, and unsatisfying. If you exalt money in your world, it can easily ensnare, consume, rule over, master your heart to the degree that knowing God, learning about God, sitting at His feet can become dull, uninteresting, and unsatisfying. And so as Christians, we oftentimes say something, some things like this. And it's like if, if, if someone comes to you and says, hey, what are you reading God's Word? What are you learning? Like, I'm like, I'm feeling really dry. I'm feeling really dry. So as as a as Pastor Caleb, this is what I would ask. I would ask number one, I would say, first I would say, are you seeking to know God by intentionally spending time in his word alone and with others? And if you say yes, then I would say this, how are you managing or spending money? You would ask me that. I I mean if I look at this, if I look at this text and I see what it says, then yeah, I would ask you that. So this morning as we look at this passage, the big idea then is this. And, and I wrestled with this this morning. I think maybe I want to state it in a different way, but I don't know, I'm just gonna read it and maybe I'll revise it later. Here we go. How we think about money and material is a direct indicator of what is at the center of our lives. I think I would probably be say, how we think and use money and material, how we think about and use money and material is a direct indicator is what of what is at the center of our lives. So, really, two points then this morning as we look at this text. Um, I want to I want to look first at verses 19 through 21. Let's go there. And and this is the first point coming out of that. You will see one paragraph there. Um, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Where it, that's where it starts and ends with. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you look at, if you're looking at verse 19, you see a command, right? Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And then verse 20, another command, but lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, or in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys. So you sort of have the same command, but flipped, right? So you have the negative and the positive. You have the negative and the positive. So it's one command, two imperative statements, but you have here um, the the notion that, hey, this this is the first point this morning. Invest in things that can't be taken from you. So do not lay up the negative command, lay up positive, and then the outcome is verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is temporary and earthly, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is temporary and earthly, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is eternal and heavenly, that's where your heart is. So, so the question is, what does that mean? The question is, what does that mean, right? Okay, so think, think about this. Think about this. You made the statement, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And if we're in Christ, we probably have said this before. I love Jesus. But current culture, and, and maybe maybe not so much anymore, but, but, but uh, definitely like maybe 10 years ago. Definitely maybe 10 years ago. Uh, current culture largely had this portrait of Jesus that is like, remember Buddy Jesus, like that little doll thing? Remember that? Or is that just a dork? Okay. Um, current culture... Or previous culture, and maybe even today, a little bit, has this portrait of Jesus that is cool, hang out, hippie, easy, easy to listen to. Jesus It just hangs out and is like, hey man, I love you. Let's chill. Let's go grab coffee. Let's hang out. Let's chill. And when we look at, and when we look at verses 19 through 24 in Matthew chapter six, he kind of like totally blows that out of the water, doesn't he? If if we're being honest with ourselves, looking at this text, boy, I wish this wasn't there. I wish it wasn't there. Like if I'm being totally honest with myself, but the fact of the matter that it is that it is, and he really does this throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. I would encourage you to look at Matthew five through seven this week and just consider everything that Jesus is saying here. It's really hard. All of it is really, really hard. So many people think that the one thing about God or Jesus is, uh, is totally unsubstantiated in Scripture. So they, they come to this and they're just like, you know what? Like, oh, no, that, I, uh, no, it's not there. But here's the deal, okay? So we, we said, we started out with, you make the statement, I love Jesus. But the veracity or the truthfulness or uh, the, the sort of grid or filter that that statement has to be run through is indicated by how you treat money. I heard someone this week. I was listening to a sermon on this, and I heard somebody call this a shot across the bow. Right? This is a warning statement. This is a warning statement saying, like, look at your heart and examine it, and and how you treat money is a direct indicator of what it is. So the question that you're asking is, do I love Jesus or not? Look at your checking account, your wallet, your credit card statement. Okay. So caveat. I don't want you to hear me say is if you look at your checking account or in your wallet and you see a big number that's a problem that's not what I'm saying okay so caveat (laughs) What, what I am saying and what Jesus is saying in this text is that what those transactions add up to on that statement that could be a problem so, I, I worked, uh, I was an English major, so when I got out of college, I obviously did nothing related to English. That was a joke. Um, good morning, everyone. So, obviously, I it, 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 it did nothing. So, I, I got the job at U.S. Bank. I was processing credit card disputes. That's interesting. So, <laughs> You can learn a lot about a person by looking at their credit card, their credit card statement. And obviously, like, I can't say a whole lot more than that, but but it shows what people love, right? They love, they love cars, they love boats, they love movies, they love guns. <coughs> guns? They love guns. <laughs> the fact of the matter is this, that guns and boats and cars are, are cool, like okay. There, they're cool. But the fact of the matter is this they, they make terrible gods. They make terrible gods. Guns make terrible gods. <laughs> <laughs> So they do exactly what Jesus says in verse 19. The elements destroy them or they just become obsolete over time. You just look down at your iPhone and you say, man, what number comes behind an iPhone? And it might be obsolete. Is it a four or a five? Yeah, you're out of date. These are earthly treasures and they do not represent the best investment that you can ultimately make. Okay, so so we understand that, right? We start to we start to get the understanding of what it means to to invest not to invest in things here where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But the flip side is much harder for us to conceptualize, right? Invest in things uh, that are eternal. What does that look like? What ongoing, how does that how does that practically flesh itself out in our world? So let's let's just think on that for a little bit. When Jesus says, But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. What does that look like? So if you we've been doing this covenant membership thing in our community groups, and if your community group was there, we, you heard us talk about one of the points is that we would be investing in our families um, with the gospel, that we as parents, if you have children, are the primary disciple makers of your children and therefore should be uh, um, intentionally building, them in, building gospel truth into them. So this is what it means to lay up. Treasures in heaven where neither Ross, Ruth, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. If you're ruled by your work as a dad or a mom and you get called away from your family regularly, and you can't carve out time for your kids or your spouse, and you're always on your cell phone with clients and you're making ethically suspect decisions, you're not laying up treasures in heaven. That's what that means. What you're saying is my job and the money that it brings in is more important than teaching my kids to know God. That's what it's saying. Your kids don't need a PlayStation 4 Slim. They need their dad. You don't need baby, your kids don't need Baby Gap. They need their mom. Again, Baby Gap and PlayStation 4s are bad, but when they're, when they're sacrificed at the expense of of spending time with them and building gospel truth into them intentionally. Your kids may say that they need those Curry-2 shoes, but you're their parent. You're their parent. I want some Curry-2s. Maybe I don't. I don't know. They're kind of ugly. (laughs) We tell God that we need a new house or car, but He knows better. He's promised to have our best in mind. We need God over stuff And that's the analog, that's the metaphor here that we need to flesh out. God says, I am not going to just give you houses and cars and things. I'm going to give you myself. That's what we need. So the question then becomes out of this is do we ultimately treasure Jesus? Do we ultimately treasure Jesus? And we ask ourselves, does our wallet suggest that we're living as our treasure as if our treasure is contained in heaven. <coughs> and what does that look like? If you freely give your money away as a response to the free gift of life given to you in Jesus, you're going to be stretched. You're going to feel it. You're going to be stretched. Does you not think This is is it. Do you not think that there is greater benefit to growing in your belief and understanding and knowledge of who God is and the promises that he has given to you than your fleeting, instant gratification? If you commit to give a percentage of your income to the local church, you will have to put off a vacation or an addition in your house or a new car. You'll have to do that. Maybe might be a month, it might be a couple of years. It might be a decade. If you commit to help people who are in difficult financial situations, you may have to shop at a thrift store more often. If your treasure is in heaven, you will value finding yourselves in a situation you might not, you might not quite sure how your needs are going to be met because that it means you have... An advanced opportunity to trust God. It is a far more precarious position to be in as one who who has financial resources to rest in the security that they provide you than to be stretched and to understand that God is the provider. Here's a biblical example. In Exodus 23, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11, God commands his people to, to farm, to plant, They're an agrarian culture, to farm and to plant and to harvest six years. Every six years, and on the seventh year, don't. For a whole year, don't. He said, don't plant. Leave the field fallow. Allow it to rest. So really there are two, there's a social motivation given here in in Exodus 10 and 11, but there's a theological component too that we need to recognize. The social motivation is that the poor people then can come in behind, the people who don't own land, who don't have fields, they can come in behind, they can grab everything that was left, and then the animals can come in and they can grab everything, and they can eat and be provided for. But the theological motivation is simply to trust God and to believe him and his promises. So, this, this command is directly coming out of what we see in the Ten Commandments when, uh, when God commands his people to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Why were they commanded to do that? Because in the ancient world, uh, there weren't any labor laws, you had to work all of the time to survive, they didn't get a weekend. You worked or you didn't eat. And taking a day off during the week was a big deal. It was a huge issue of trust. So letting the fields lie fallow seemed like a death sentence. But it is an incredible opportunity and what God wanted for his people to put their trust in him. As their provider. He's saying, your security isn't found in what you can bring in. Your security isn't found in your money. It's found in a God who has promised to supply all of your needs. He has promised to supply all of your needs. To never leave you or forsake you, He has freely given you all things. So that's our first point then this morning. Invest in things that can't be taken away from you sort of tack onto that as a response to the understanding of what God has provided for you in Jesus Christ. The second point, let's, let's look then at uh, verses 22 and 23 in particular. And we might not get to verse 24, but let, let's look at 22 and 23 in particular this morning in Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus was just talking about treasure, and now he's talking about the eyes. What's going on? What he's talking about here is how you perceive your world. What you see as reality in your world. The eye is, in, in Jewish literature, the eye is closely tied with the heart. Those things would have been used pretty closely. So if you're looking at the world through a lens, right? I wear glasses. And if you're looking through the world uh, with a lens other than the lens of the gospel, you're going to perceive things incorrectly. Let me give, let me give you an example. So you go, so you go pheasant hunting. So you go pheasant hunting, and your dog is running out ahead of you, and and everything's going great, everything is wonderful. It's a beautiful day out. Because you're like, you see a tree line, and there's a big nest up in the up in a tree, and you head that direction, and sure enough, you see some pheasants, and you shoot them, you head back to your car, and as you're loading up, a nice representative from the Game and Fish Department shows up. and says, what are you doing with those bald eagles? Oh, these are pheasants. But they're not. They're not pheasants. If you think bald eagles are pheasants, your eye is bad. <laughs> If you think bald eagles are pheasants, your eye is bad. You perceive your world incorrectly, either because your physical eye is defective or because your reality is just somewhere totally different. And the point here stands. So so this is not a departure from what Jesus is talking about in verse 19 through 21 and verses 22 and 23. It's not a departure from that. What Jesus is emphasizing here is that if you think your bank account is more precious than Jesus... Your eye is bad, and you perceive the world incorrectly. So the call here is to look at your world realistically. To look at the world realistically. And for some of us, that's hard. Because some of us are so grounded in the physical that we can't move beyond that. We can't see that God is at work in our lives spiritually, spiritually. We can't see that God is is transforming us into the image of Jesus. And we can't see why we would give up something physical in order to be developed as people. As the people that God has intended us to be. And if we're in that position that our eye is bad and we need to request from God. We need to to, uh, labor in prayer and say, God, God make my eye Right? So that I can see things realistically. So, as we look at this passage, and just in conclusion this morning, the fact of the matter is, I know this is true for me. I know that this is true for me. The fact of the matter is, for I'm assuming then, for most of us here today, that we're not always uh, faithfully storing up t- for, for ourselves treasury. Day. Because because the physical realities of our world are so apparent and present, we reach out and touch them. They're pressing us. They're pressing us harder than a reclining seat in a budget airline. And eternity just seems so far away. It's just so far away. You see your neighbor eating filet mignon every Tuesday, while well, you eat ramen. And that seat in front of you on a budget airline it reclines a little bit more. You feel a little more pressure. You see a coworker pull up in his brand new suburban, where well, you drive your beat up compact car, and the seat reclines a little bit further. treasure is what Jesus says so clearly to us in verse 21 where your treasure is there your heart will be also considering your world realistically means running everything through the filter of God's word everything through the filter of God's word and in order to do that you have to actually read the Bible you have to work towards knowing him do that, you will begin to see Jesus as more precious than anything this world has to offer. And you'll begin to invest in eternal things. And say to yourself, yeah, no, like, like this job isn't worth it. This job isn't worth sacrificing my time with my kids in order to build in intentional gospel truth into their lives. You begin to say things like, yeah, my spouse is someone that I need to pour into and love. You say that the people who are hurting, I Um... The people who are hurting. No, let's throw it there. The people who are hurting in my world. The people who 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 are financially unstable. Remember, remember, we've said this before that there are no conditions here given on these commands. There are no conditions given on these commands. It's not. We're not saying to ourselves, Oh, look, uh, that person has made some really stupid financial decisions, and so we're not going to help them. I don't see that here. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Now, now, now God commands us to steward our resources well. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about what that looks like practically for us. But we're not necessarily the arbiter. We're not necessarily the one who makes that call. God says God commands us to live freely, openly with the, the resources that he's granted to us. And he commands us, he says very clearly in verse 21, For what your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the admonition this week is to go from here to reflect. And to say, where is my heart? And maybe it is something as intentional as sitting down with a credit card statement and looking at it and saying, Yeah, you know what? I'm spending a lot of money in this area. And I think that that might be more important to me than than Jesus. It might be more important to me than knowing God. That might be a reality for you. The beauty of this is that we don't have to do this alone, right? None of us are here. None of this is a a judgment on you. All it is is saying is "Take take inventory of your life and where you're at and where your heart is. Because that's where your treasure is. And again, when you do that, you will see Jesus as more precious than anything in this world. You will begin investing in eternal things that's bright.